2: Welcome to Good Morning Football, everybody. Thanks for choosing us to hang out with this morning. Our show presented to you by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. We're live here at the breakfast table. My name's Kay Adams. Lots of fun here on the show. Jason McCordy, Andre Reed joining us. Sean McDermott, Kyle Brandt is here. Peter Schrager is here. Our Hall of Fame wide receiver, Chris Carter, here as well.
3: All right, let's go. I got I'm some ready. shenanigans. Let's, let's go. You got shenanigans? Yes, Chris. Chris
2: versus Kyle. Round one. Let's go. <laughs> Body the lead block right. as We take it to the NFL season uh, finale. Week eight Week 18, one last shot for the playoffs to change the whole picture. High-stakes, unpredictable games as teams battle to secure a spot in the playoffs to try to keep their Super Bowl hopes alive. Week 18, the NFL season finale all weekend long, and it kicks off Saturday. Yep, a doubleheader, Chiefs versus Broncos. Our own James Palmer has the latest on Kansas City as they get set for the playoffs.
4: Well, thanks, Kay. As the Kansas City Chiefs head into their final regular season game against the Broncos and the postseason, two things to keep your eye on. One, They lost both of their starting tackles against the Bengals last Sunday. Lucas Niang, their right tackle, done for the season. Their left tackle, Orlando Brown, to a calf strain. And we remember, in the Super Bowl last year, Patrick Mahomes running for his life. That was not the case in this game. They still protected him brilliantly. He wasn't sacked. And Orlando Brown's calf strain looks to be heading in the right direction, could possibly play against the Broncos, and should be good for the postseason. That's the positive. The negative? The defense went back to what we saw through the first five games So they gave up at least 29 points a game, gave up 34 to the Cincinnati Bengals, they missed assignments, they missed tackles, and averaging over two and a half turnovers a game K, they had zero. Can they right the ship defensively and get back to what we saw for this eight-game stretch? We'll find out, because it's something they need heading into the postseason.
2: Can't win if they get Jamar chased again. And yes, that offensive line went from being a big question mark to a strength on that Kansas City team. Thanks so much, James. The season finale starts Saturday. Chiefs Broncos, KC wants to grab the one seed. And they can in the AFC if they win and the Titans lose or tie. It is theirs. And then we've got a huge NFC East nightcap between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Dallas has locked up the division. Both teams have already punched their ticket to the postseason. So, gentlemen, let's keep it to that second game mm-hmm. of the Saturday doubleheader, the season finale to 2021-2022. There is a chance that they could face each other in the playoffs, these two teams. Which is more dangerous as a wildcard opponent, though? The Cowboys, Chris, mm-hmm. or the Eagles?
5: I have to go with the boys, mm-hmm. and for a couple reasons. And Number one in the wild card round— We know that these teams are marginal as far as what their season's been. But if you can happen to be the team that won the division, you're going to get a home game. Mm -hmm. So that gives them a definite edge. And I'll just go to the quarterback position. I believe that Dak Prescott, in a battle against these elite quarterbacks that we have in the NFC, that he is a better match. Like, would I be surprised if he throws for 300 yards? No, no, I wouldn't. Now, on the other side with Philadelphia, yes, they can run for a lot of yards, but I would be shocked if they're able to throw for 250, 275, 300, or if they get into a shootout, Mm -hmm. which team would I rather have? And that's where I give the boys the edge. Even though the last six weeks they haven't played their best football, I believe that collectively they have more talent Mm -hmm. and what they can do from a defensive standpoint as far as putting pressure on the quarterback. They got a couple of guys that can wreck your game on that defensive side of the ball.
3: No doubt, Chris, and there's a lot to like about the Cowboys. I don't trust the Cowboys. And I feel like in a weird way, I trust Philadelphia more. Both these teams, the secret about them is they haven't beaten anybody. Like, the, people, the Eagles are hearing it this week that they're the NFC Dolphins, <laughs> that they haven't beaten anybody. And we saw what happened to the Dolphins mm-hmm. when they finally played the Titans. Dallas hasn't either. They, they beat a Saints team that was really banged up and ravaged and had no Camara. But other than that, every team they play that matters, be it the Cardinals, Raiders, Chiefs, they lose to. If someone were to not have watched football for the last five years and said, tell me about this Cowboys team, what are they like? They think they're a running team, but they also pass, and sometimes mm-hmm. their defense plays really well, but sometimes it does nothing. I, I don't really, they have a lot of famous players. What's this Eagles team like? Oh, they're great. They run the hell out of it. <laughs> they got this great athlete, a quarterback. Their defense isn't that great, but it doesn't really have to be because they run so much. It's a weird thing. Like, they know who they are. They've won six of seven games. The Cowboys are fancier, and the Cowboys are more famous and way more explosive mm-hmm. and probably more talented, but I trust the Eagles more because Dallas, I just don't really know what they are, and I don't think they do either. I think it's Philadelphia, actually.
6: Yeah, and now look, if the Eagles are down 21, one to nothing in the first half. It's done. I don't see Jalen Hurts saying, hey, I got you. Let me throw out of this thing. Mm-hmm. But styles make fights, Chris. You said it yesterday. Yep. And I'm wearing the Madden Still shirt today. The no. Is there a team that personifies John Madden more than the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles?
3: <laughs> Three
6: and six at one point, And they say, let's totally change who we are. Let's have an identity. And it's let's just shove the ball down your throat. I okay. look at the way they run the ball and I say, I don't want to see that in January. That hurts. I don't want to see Lane Johnson lining up against me. I don't want to see Kelly Kelsey, and they just pile on once they get started. 175 rushing yards in eight straight games? Are you serious? And then we had uh, the great Scott Pioli on yesterday, and he was talking about the offensive line and mentioned the name Stoutland. Stoutland. I got to give coach, right? I gotta yes, give shout-out to Jeff Stoutland, oh, yeah. the offensive line coach, for what he has done with this unit, which... I think early in the season, they weren't considered one of the best units in the league. Jeff Stoutland has has mentored Jordan Maialata into being one of the best tackles in the league. Yeah. He has worked with all these young players. He's gotten the most out of Kelsey and Lane Johnson. And if there's a team that has a Madden identity heading into January and February football, It's the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not calling the Cowboys soft by any means. Any team that has Micah Parsons and Lawrence and Gregory, they're not soft by any means. And they've got a great offensive line, too. But the Eagles seem like they have embodied the city, but also (laughs) embodied that offensive line. And they've got the experience of doing it already. So I'm going
5: to say Philadelphia. The only problem with that is when you're one-dimensional, when I take away... It's fair. Your punch, what are you going to do? You're going to rely on that quarterback to be able to throw the football? Now, I do like the overall physicality because you're talking about a unit. You're not talking about a guy. And I do believe unit football is good. That offensive line, Stoutland, That's real. That's brick and mortar. Like, they are going to have to be dealt with. So I do understand um, your argument there.
2: Doesn't it just depend on matchups, to your point? Like, say it's the opponent, right? Say it's the Rams. The Rams have one of the best corners, the best corner in the game. They've got two awesome pass rushers. They're built to take on not an Eagles team in fact run teams have run I want the Bucks if I'm the Rams I want the Cowboys I want a team that Mm. can you know go through the air a little bit because I'm built for speed and I'm built for that teams that run I don't want that we've seen them struggle against teams like the Niners the Titans the Ravens they're built more for speed than for and for stopping the pass I think and I think the Eagles could give them problems I wouldn't want to see the Eagles it depends on the matchup to me is what I'm saying how much is the matchup important like what percentage of that is that in this massive because the Rams, if they lose this week and the Cardinals take the division, they have a chance of playing Dallas, which I think is a better scenario for them, right? Sure,
3: I think so. It's fu- what's funny is that we're like we're talking about these run games and it's like Ezekiel Elliott and Zach Martin, bigger names like, and Peter's like. Boston, Boston Scott. Scott, and I get it, man. Yeah. Like, I get it. They're, the the fame and the jersey sale things have nothing to do right now. It's like, who smashes faces and right there's now? There's such Philly. a small
6: thing. Like, Lane Johnson wasn't voted to the Pro Bowl, and that doesn't that. matter, but, like, mm-hmm. They're of course, mad. that team has embodied that, and it's pissed it's them perfect. off. They're like, yeah. he's the best tackle in the league. He's not on the Pro Bowl, and, like, Many markets that might not work. Many teams that might not work. Mm -hmm. Eagles fans and Mm -hmm. that Eagle Mm -hmm. building, like, they rally around Mm -hmm. that. There's Mm -hmm. something to it because, like you said, they've done it before. The underdog mass, the whole thing, we're here again. Four years later, it's the same
5: story. These game plans change in the playoffs. These coaches, they don't get that four-week sample size. They go into your numbers, and they know exactly what you're going to do. Anyone that lines up against the Eagles, they are lining up in a seven- and an eight-man box to start the game. Because they know. They know those numbers. They know mm-hmm. they've rushed for over 175 yards. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see if they can throw it up. We're going to make them throw the ball. And I just don't see this young football team even though they've been great. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about the story and expectations. That's why Dallas, ah, for the last five years, has nothing to do with once you get into the Mm playoffs.
2: At GMFB with your thoughts. Let's bring in Ian Rappaport. We've got some updates around the league, checking on some superstars that could have huge impacts on the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Uh, Let's get an update, and good morning to you, Ian, on Derrick Henry and Jimmy Garoppolo.
7: A potentially huge day for the Tennessee Titans Today, of course, we know that they have lost Derrick Henry. been without him for about two months since he had surgery to repair the fifth metatarsal in his foot Jones fracture in early, early November. They have waited. They have bided their time. They've gotten all the way to the brink of the number one seed. And now the likelihood is that they get Derrick Henry back at practice today. What they are expected to do is open the practice window for him. He's going to remain on injured reserve. But they will designate him to return, which means he will be able to practice today. Now, as far as the game on Sunday, it is theoretically possible that he could play. He could get a few carries. We'll see how practice goes, how confident they are in him. But maybe more importantly, whether or not he plays on Sunday, they do expect him back for the playoffs. And under almost any circumstances, I'd say they expect him back next Sunday. But this is a team that actually could get the bye with a win. So we could see him in a couple weeks ready to go at full strength for the titans meanwhile for the san francisco 49ers they are awaiting word on whether or not their starting quarterback jimmy garoppolo will be able to practice today he is dealing with a pretty significant thumb injury a torn ligament and a chipped bone in his thumb wasn't uh, able to do really anything at all last week obviously trey lance started there's some hope inside the building that he will be able to practice today i'm a little let's say more Open on that. We will see how much he's able to throw, but at least we'll get some answers later today.
2: Welcome back to Good Morning Football. Coach Sean McDermott on the way. Time for a little Whiteboard Wednesday right now. Get out your whiteboards, your notepads, whatever, at home and play along. It is officially the last week of the regular season, but there's still some postseason details to be finalized, so I want to know the player. Or the coach with the most at stake heading into Week 18, Stray. Who is
6: it? Yeah, a lot of this could be like hot seat stuff or long-term extension yeah. stuff. I'm looking at the history books. T.J. Watt to me has the most at stake because Ooh. we don't talk about Mark Gastineau's sack record too often we on the show. Mm. T.J. Watt, go win that record. Go win that mm. record. You look at this right now. I don't care how many games are played. If T.J. Watt has a sack or more, he mm. is the all-time record holder for sacks in a season. Right now, he's got 21 and a half. Stray has 22 and a half. Justin Houston, Marquette, all these guys, they're all footnotes. We talk about the record holder. T.J. Watt, go get that belt. This is the week against What's the
2: What's Trey Hagan think if you... Sorry. Whatever, sorry. I, I don't know.
6: Actually, it's a great question. Yeah. When, when you are the record holder and you have been that record holder, how do you feel when someone else gets that record? Maybe in this case with an extra game.
8: Mm-hmm. That's the
5: story of my life. All I do is watch the Buckeyes, they break all my records. Watch the Vikings, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, they break all my records. Shatter. Record. Extra
2: game hurts a little bit, though, right? Well, but it's just all part of
5: it, but... I'm going to go most to game. Carson Wentz. This guy was MVP, the runner-up, I mean, in the running before he gets hurt. Last week, we know he had COVID. Gets into the game, played like he had COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, they're in Jacksonville. They fired their coach. The season's done. They're playing golf. If he loses to Jacksonville, and the Colts have lost how many times in Jacksonville in a row? Several. They haven't won there since 2014. Is that right? Yeah. This guy's got a lot to gain this weekend. He does. Win, and they're in. He loses to Jacksonville. No. I don't think he – well, you know he can't go back to Philly. Now he won't be able to go
3: back to Indianapolis. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, it's a big game for
5: him.
2: Big stakes. Big Uh,
3: game. (laughs) That's great, and it takes me right to mine. I'm just going to say all of them. I'm going to say all the Lions and the Jags because this also involves us. There's number one overall pick stuff at stake (laughs) here, guys. We will talk about one of these teams for five months after the season. Here's the deal. The Jaguars have the number one overall pick. If they win and Carson Wentz does lose that day, I mean the Jags win and the Lions lose at Lambeau, the Lions have the number one overall pick. There's a lot of juice to that because if you like this Aiden Hutchinson kid from Michigan, he's in Michigan, the Lions are there, maybe he'll go number one. So they could totally flip the table. Put it this way How many segments are we going to have about the draft after the season? 50,000. It might be the Jaguars. Or it might be the Lions. So take your pick, right there. Maybe the Jaguars I, last year. I'm okay with that. Honolulu Blue would be kind of fun. For me. <laughs> it would be kind of fun. So I, I, that's a lot of stake. I just might as well have just written K, Peter, Kyle, Chris on the board because we have a lot of stake here. Yeah. My yeah. God.
2: Who played the Jaguars last week?
3: Uh, fifty yeah, to ten, they lost to the Patriots. Patriots. Let's talk yeah. about
2: that game and what happened during that remember. game. On Sunday, it's okay. Uh, we were trying to do connective tissue, <laughs> little segue. Uh, We have this clip of Mac Jones. We've brought it up on the show several times. They're laughing, they're having the time of their lives. So I figured, let's try to figure out what they were even talking about. What's going on here? Bill Belichick said blank to make Mac Jones laugh like that on the sideline.
6: He looked at Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne and he said, "My New Year's resolution for that intrepid reporter was to." Not eat rookie quarterbacks. Oh. oh well, guess I
3: broke it. Oh. <laughs> he wanted to lay off the rookie quarterbacks. Try again next year. Oopsie. <laughs> I was doing a little lip reading,
5: and I could have swore that he told Mac Jones and the other guys if I had the first pick in the draft, I would have taken you over that guy over there. Wow, okay. That's what I first. But then I go back on it, and then I remember, like you, from the press conference, <laughs> Yes, the young lady asked him about his yeah. New Year's resolution. She did. So I told him, I'll be funny. Okay. <laughs> in <laughs> 2022.
3: <laughs> Interesting. And they all laughed. That's ironic. Yes. It, um, I see that as, the, as an end of a funny story, not necessarily set up in punchline. Okay. So I think he was telling them a story and it was about his career, and he's just saying, you know, it was a, it was a horrible night. And, and he gets to the punchline and goes... And then Pete Carroll decided to pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he actually decided to pass. Oh, my God. He <laughs> wouldn't give it to Marshawn. <laughs> And they just died. And they absolutely died. And he tells that story every year, and he always pauses. Oh and It's the best. It's like the reading of the night before Christmas. It's wait, so good. Victory like,
2: nailed it. But if you missed any, if there are any other good ideas floating around out there, for those watching, <laughs> hit us up at GMFB. We love seeing your tweets. Maybe we'll pop some onto the show. The Chargers and Raiders. This is the game of the week. They are head-to-head. This game got moved to Sunday night action. Big lights. Big stakes. We'll talk about the playoff uh, matchup in the AFC West. That coming up. And yes, Sean McDermott, when's the last time you were on our show? Before the season? Too long, yeah. Too yeah. long. Get it back on.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want... You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap, fresh, green, Irish shop. Now at a store near you,
1: whether you are a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher, seeking the lowest interest or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks.
2: Hour number two of Good Morning Football. Hey, everybody. We're presented by Old Trapper Review Thanks for joining us this morning. It's Wednesday, January 5th. My name is Kay Adams, Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager. All here. Good morning, gentlemen. Wide receiver, hey. Hall of Famer, Chris Carter in the building. Uh-huh. One more, and it's a big one in the AFC West. The playoffs on the line for the final game of the regular season. Win and they're in for the Chargers. Uh, for the Raiders, same deal. And you can see, still a path to the postseason if they tie or take a loss, but they'll know all of that info by kickoff. So let's start plain and simple, guys. It's a great game. Great game on Sunday night. Who has the edge in what they are calling and we're branding this as game 272 of the 2021 regular season? Who has the edge, Riggs? This
6: is cool because both teams have different storylines. The Raiders are coming in red hot, three straight wins. Everyone wrote them off and here they are. The Chargers, everyone assumed was a playoff team and then stumbled at the end and then last week got their groove back when they got some players back. The Chargers have to find a way to stop the most unstoppable player in football right now. I'm not talking about Jamar Chase. I'm not talking about Cooper Cup. Mm. Let me get some Hunter Renfro. Hey, baby. Let's go. Let's Let's see it, baby. Let's see some Renfro. Let's go, baby. I don't know what happened over the last month, but Hunter Renfro has become wide receiver one, and this is a real, real problem for opposing defenses right now. And the Chargers have struggled against the pass in recent weeks. And We saw what the Texans were able to do with them. Davis Mills threw all over them. We saw, of course, what the Chiefs were able to do in crunch time with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey scoring at will. They've got to find a plan to stop this guy. And Hunter Renfro's five catches away from tying the record, six from beating the record. And if you you want to know, can he do it in a big game? Is he going to stumble in a big game? In the biggest game of his life, he was the wide receiver one on a Clemson team that played Alabama in the national title game. And in 2017, Renfro went... For 10 catches, 98 yards, mm-hmm. and had two touchdowns and had the game-winning score mm. to seal up Clemson beating Bama in the national title game. This was the second one? The sequel? This is the one. This yeah. is the Sean Watson, yeah. and, and it was—Hunter Renfro was the biggest star. I, yeah, the Chargers, we could talk all about them and the Raiders could talk about them. I just wanted to say that Hunter Renfro is going to be the X Factor, and if the Chargers can stop him— We haven't seen Darren Waller healthy in quite some time. We haven't seen Zay Jones put together two games in a row. And Josh Jacobs isn't going to necessarily be able to carry the entire load. If you stop Hunter Renfro, and I can't believe I'm saying this, in week 18 of the NFL (laughs) season, you can stop the Raiders. I just don't know if you can because that's been the game plan for all these teams and they haven't been able to.
5: Injuries have thrust him into the forefront. Suspensions, guys being cut, rugs being let go. That made him move up the chart, but you can't deny his overall ability to get off the bump and run. You can't bump the guy. And if a guy's gonna be a slot receiver and does not have outstanding height, weight, and speed, you have to be elusive off the line of scrimmage. And you could see. Man, when you bump him, he's able to get separation week after week. I do believe, though, what they've been through, totality, the last three months, this team's got to be exhausted. Mm -hmm. They just had another player arrested. After the Colts, the team flies back. He sleeps with a light in his car. He gets arrested. Nate
2: Hobbs, a rookie. Mm
5: -hmm. Now, I know this locker room is one of the most diverse locker rooms in the history of all sports, but as a human being, at some point, You get exhausted. Mm. That's why I believe that the Chargers at home should have the
3: advantage. They should. But the other team should have, with the prior stuff that happened. If they get to the playoffs, is Rich Passaccia in the conversation for coach of the year? Because it's been a pretty incredible thing that pretty he's amazing. done. I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing. I actually think the Raiders have an edge too for a lot of different reasons, but all of my focus for this game continues to go to an unprecedented piece of potential NFL history that I brought up yesterday. If you have not followed this yet, the setup is absolutely insane and it's starting to be talked about by the principals involved. All right, if the Jaguars win earlier in the day over the Colts in Jacksonville, and the Chargers and Raiders play to a tie. There's a couple snowstorms coming. God might
5: be busy for Jacksonville to go true? pull that out. Yeah. You talk <laughs> right. about divine intervention. Okay, That's unbelievable. Ahead. I mean, he just might what be a little busy. What will bit happen cozy. is that
3: the Chargers and Raiders, who play Sunday night, both punch their ticket. So it's a weird scenario in which, if the Jaguars win, and again, I want to point this out Frank Reich has never won in Jacksonville, no Colts team has won there in seven years. If the Jaguars beat the Colts, it immediately becomes beneficial for the Chargers and the Raiders to tie. Yesterday, as it would have it, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, was on with Rich Eisen. Rich presented this scenario to him, and I thought Staley's answer was great.
0: So that's a pretty loaded scenario there, Rich. Um, yeah. You know, like, that is an all-time coffee shop scenario. Yep. I think we all respect the game and the NFL shield and the integrity of this game far too much to be complicit in something like that. This game matters too much to too many people and we want to play our best and be proud of the result one way or the other and so um, I know what we're going to do everything we can to go win this game.
3: Alright, that was of course Rich's show on Peacock. Here's what's even more interesting. What? Let's look at the day. The Jaguars-Colts game is at 1 o'clock. So it's going to finish about four. Mm-hmm. Jaguars win. Oh my god! You got like a four-hour gap before the Sunday night game, yep. with which, if you like, you may want to communicate or strategize or talk now. I don't assume, nor would I ever think, that the Chargers and Raiders are going to come out and take a knee every snap. There might be some things. If the game is tied late, if it's 16-16, if it's 21-21, or if it goes to overtime, where you look across the sideline, you're like, should we do this thing? Does the league have something to say about this in that four-hour window about, gentlemen, we understand the scenario. You better get out there and compete. We're watching. Do the Raiders want to listen to the league? I, there's there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot of thick things in this, and if the Jaguars win, it is on.
2: That's your Sunday night football game for week 18-11. Last game of the regular season. Let's bring in Ian Rappaport now, getting some uh, checkups and updates.
7: I want to go back to what you guys were talking about with the chaos scenario, I, I guess you would call it with yeah. Chargers Raiders. I talked to a well-placed source drama. with one of those teams yesterday, actually, just kind of going through scenarios, and I said, you know, would would you guys actually just kneel for 60 minutes? And the response I got was, how do we know they're going to do it? So it's like, yep. is yeah, that risk? worth it where you just kneel and then they just go, Ah, eh, we're not going to kneel. We just would prefer you not in the playoffs. So we're just going to throw a bomb, score a touchdown, and it'll be us and the Colts. Like that's, that's the problem is kind of like Peter was saying, like how do you know they're going to do it, you know?
2: In the spirit of competition, could you blame Brendan Staley if he doesn't keep up his end of the bargain in that scenario?
3: Well, that's what they're all saying right now <laughs> to Ian and to Rich. But the scenario that you're talking about, Ian, is where they take knees, each of them, and on the last play, Carr fakes a an Ian yeah. and then chucks it up top and says, right. screw it, you guys are out. Right. Suckers! Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Could they be called the I right, mean Brandon if they did say, that? Isn't that the no, ultimate spirit of competition? Yes. It's
7: awesome. it, it That's is. Awesome. Uh, it's kind of messed up, but I get it too. But but here's the thing. Like let's say <laughs> let's just say you're the Raiders and you have plans to kneel okay. right up until the last play when you're just gonna really screw them and knock the Chargers out of the playoffs. Maybe you do that because you okay. know what? You'd prefer the Colts in the playoffs than the Chargers because you don't wanna see Justin Herbert with you know, advancement in the whole mm. season. online. Yep. like, maybe that's beneficial to the Raiders to pretend until the end and then say, ask screw because we don't want, you know, one of the best yeah. quarterbacks for the next 20. Sunday years, Night football, it? Right? baby. I mean,
3: it
6: would
7: know?
3: shatter the ratings. Everyone yeah. would watch this
6: game. Raiders and Raiders fans don't hate the Colts. Raiders fans hate the Chargers. Yeah. So yeah, that, mm-hmm.
2: that makes a lot of sense. Talk to you a little bit later, Ian. Appreciate your insights.
8: That's a great listen to me. That's a great job, man. Great job at home in January, right? These games are going to be tough, man going to be tough. Real impressed by how we adjusted. Halftime, right? Wasn't going our way. We lost some momentum. You guys come in, you kept your poise. Coaches did a great job. You guys executed. Great freaking job, man. And hey, welcome to the playoffs, baby. That's one of our goals, right? That's what we set out early in the year. One of our goals, win the division. We get a chance to do that at home. Hey, the blend of humility and confidence.
4: Big time this week. but I was gonna be pretty, fellas. We
3: punch our ticket, man. do? Okay. Well, <laughs> Bills are going to the playoffs. They go to the playoffs every year. It's one of the reasons we love this guy. One of the best coaches in the league. One of the best men in the league. One of our favorites. Head coach of the playoff-bound Buffalo Bills. It's Sean McDermott. What's up, coach?
8: What's up, guys? Good to be with you this morning, coach. Can we go back a few
3: weeks? Week 14. You guys are down in Tampa. It's halftime of that Buccaneers game. You're down 24-3. to The week before, you had lost to the Patriots in that very bizarre game. Could have been a lot of doubts in that locker room. You came out in the second half, looked incredible, and I think have ever since. What did you find that day that's changed how the season's going?
8: Well, Kyle, you know, I think really it was the first time I I sensed our leaders as a group really step up and take control of the situation, and that was the first time this season where I felt that synergy, that vibe, that energy, if you will, of us playing together as a team, and it was great to see.
6: Coach, uh, there were some high expectations, of course, going into the season. And while you guys are headed back to the playoffs, this season has certainly had some dips, some ups, some downs, some ups, and yet here we are going in, a win away from a division title. Tell us how the resiliency of this team has shown through over the course of an 18-week season?
8: Well, Peter, as you know, every year is tough in the NFL. That's how this thing, that's how this league works, and just some are tougher than others, but I think it's the the ones that are tough like this one's been for us that you learn the most from, and and it's ones like these, seasons like these, that become special because of how hard they are.
2: And we see number 17 there running in a touchdown, and these highlights we're showing, and no one's been more resilient than your quarterback, Josh Allen, overcoming adversity throughout the season. Now back to first place in the AFC East. Good morning, Coach. I want you to take us, if you can, to the moment this season that you found yourself most proud of your quarterback.
8: Well, you know, Kay, I, think it's, I don't think it's really been one moment. I think the, through the course of the season, I've seen Josh Allen grow – not only on the field with his arm and his decision-making, but really off the field, Okay, that that's a spot a lot of people don't get a chance to see. His leadership has grown exponentially uh, over the back half of this season, and I'm, and I'm extremely proud of him for that.
5: Hey, Coach, I want to take a minute. You got some special players in that locker room, but I want everyone to hear at home with the big left tackle, Deion Dawkins, had to say at the podium, mm-hmm. after Sunday's win. Sean is everything. Sean is. Sean is our our head spear you know that's our our leaderboard you know like he's our leader it just shows that sean is sean and he's a a stone cold killer in the face but he knows exactly and what he's doing and he knows what to do he knows like how to fuel his his players and he knows how to honestly lead the right way when you treat your guys right your guys rally and um that's exactly what and we're doing we're we're rallying behind a leader that treats his troops right coach that's amazing. Two things. How nice is that to hear? And secondly, how nice knowing you got the big fellow protecting mm-hmm. the backside side of the franchise quarterback and <laughs> <in> Josh Allen.
8: <laughs> yeah, Chris, I appreciate that. You know, that's humbling. It really is. It's a blessing from God to be able to be in Buffalo around great people like Dion great staff great teammates great ownership and it's guys like that that make our team you know knowing that he's protecting Josh's blind side gives me great comfort and I think he's played his best football down the stretch it's because
3: he's playing for a stone-cold killer that's one of the reasons (laughs) they all are coach and that's why a victory in New York on Sunday against the Jets you guys have the crown you win the AFC East it is yours which also guarantees a home playoff game and I'm talking a real one, hopefully full capacity, not reduced Mm. crowds, none of that stuff, God willing. What does it mean for you and the Bills to suit up in front of those fans, those maniacs called the Bills Mafia? and What's that scene gonna be like?
8: Yeah, very unique. I mean, this this place is unlike any I've ever been before. I've been around some great organizations, uh, but this fan base, to me, tops them all. It really does. The weather we have this time of year, uh, it's not always 80 and sunny like it is maybe in other places. I think that really bodes well for our team and our fans and the environment they build around our stadium on game day. And it's it's just a unique experience. And as I said, we're blessed to be here, coming here five years ago, Brandon and our partnership and what he does with our team and for our team and providing us the players, And but we have a chance this weekend to do something that hasn't been done in terms of winning the division at home for a number mm-hmm. of years here and that's what we're looking forward to right now.
3: I know you are and it's been a wildly successful partnership. I know you still have a lot of goals in mind, including ending the season in Los Angeles in February. Mm-hmm. Coach, we <laughs> love you and you're always very modest about this, but we need to know, have you gotten a lift in yet this morning and was it on your driveway?
8: <laughs> no, not necessarily. I guess I should say, do I look like i have do i look like i have back home <laughs> or, yes <or>? great right.
3: always
2: <laughs> kyle emphatically yes. always
3: oh my god the dip machine pray for that thing coach
8: <laughs> kyle have you gotten your workout in this morning
3: yeah i'm carrying the show like i do every day there you go ah, exactly. sorry coach <laughs> I, thank you very much for joining us uh we all four of us love having you on and it's just an incredible thing you guys are doing good luck this weekend we'll see you soon
8: appreciate it guys happy new year
9: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
2: Good morning, football. We've got Ian Rappaport joining us. Let's get right to it with the lead block. Hey! We're back. We're back. Yeah, Ian, the Niners are fighting for a playoff spot in week 18. Will they have Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Smallhands, apparently for their season finale?
7: I would say more like Jimmy, mangled hands, mangled finger. This is a significant injury for Jimmy Garoppolo. It is a torn ligament. In his right thumb, his throwing thumb, there's also a a chipped bone. The bone pulled off when when the ligament tore, which sounds extremely, extremely painful for Garoppolo. So painful that he was not able to practice at all last week. Threw barely at all, uh, did not have a, a chance really at all of playing in the game, which is why we saw Trey Lance. Now, internally, they've held out some hope that Garoppolo can somehow Be able to grip the football despite a significant injury in practice today. From what I understand from the sources that I've spoken with, they cast some doubt on that. It's hard to imagine Garoppolo's thumb improving enough to where he can grip a football. Uh, yes, a week of rehab could help, but surgery after the season, which he is slated to have, will help more. A wait and see for the 49ers on whether or not they have their starting quarterback for practice today, and obviously that has huge ramifications for this
2: weekend. Sure, Trey Lance looked better in the second half. Slow start. He can't do that again this week if they've got playoff hopes. Thank you so much, Ian. Let's dig into it now. Here at the breakfast table, despite current records, the Niners and Shanahan, they've owned the Rams, dating back to 2019. Five straight wins. All the numbers back it up. Pro. Well, fullback Kyle Juszczyk went on NFL Now just yesterday. And Siciliano asked the question, why have they been so successful against the Rams recently? Tell,
0: Tell me, me why, though, in these five games, five in a row, You're running for 121 yards. Your time of possession is 11 minutes more than theirs. I mean, you dominate. Why have you had their number the last two and a half years? I think uh, we've just done a good job of playing to our strengths when we do play against them. And kind of like you just said, by rattling off those numbers, our strength is running the football and controlling the time of possession and playing good defense and, and taking the ball away. That really is the focus for us around here. We put the time in, we put the work in to make that a strength of ours. So, you know, I think it just so happens that when we play the Rams. Those have just been particularly good weeks in those areas.
2: Let me be clear. The NFC West is on the line in this game. Kyle, I'm looking at you. Do the Niners continue their dominance over the Rams Sunday?
3: Probably, yeah. And it's just, use checks and I say yeah, it's just one of those things. It's not just one of those things. It's not a couple in a row. It's many in a row. This is now a thing. And I remember as a program, the first time that we realized Shanahan and McVay are going to coach against each other. And we're very excited and McVanahan and we I remember it was a lot fresher reference at the time. We're like, it's the Dueling Spider-Man game. It's the same guy's point. It's not the Dueling Spider-Man. They're not both Spider-Man. It's like a uh, Spider-Man and Aquaman or something. One Spider-Man has him on the headlock and is just punching him. This is bad. Like, And I'm looking at Sean, like, Sean, you're the man. You've accomplished pretty much everything. But like, this has become a problem. This is your boy. This is your bro. You can't lose five straight, potentially six straight. And here's the problem. Like, It's been all different ways high-scoring games, low-scoring games. Uh, it was with Goff, and it was with Stafford. Now Robert Sala's gone on the other side. We need to take care of this thing because it's cute, cool, your friends used to coach together. You're all still in the same division. They're right in front of you. It's not two in a row, it's not three, it's five in a row. And they've both been asked about it. I find this very interesting how they talk about it. Hmm. McVay, they've done a nice job, and I'm not going to sit here and go into what we could have happened in all those five games. Shanahan, I mean, each game is different. But, uh, you know, they've all played out similarly, though. Like, Shanahan knows exactly what time it is. So, Kyle, you can't continue to get dunked on in your own division by your boy. This has to stop. Styles make fights. The Rams have not been able to make the 40 40-
5: play left handed. They haven't been able to take away their Hmm. running game and The Rams haven't been explosive on their side of the ball. They're only getting 16 points a game. Last five times they played, who are you going to beat going 16 times a game? Mm -hmm. But the ability for the 49ers to say, we're going to be more physical than you. That's what they've done. If you want to boil it down to one thing is, it might be your brother, but I'm getting ready to punch you in your nose. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of people in the NFL that like to get punched in the nose. The Rams, one of their biggest issues is, it's an old saying in the NFL, you have to earn the right to rush the passer. That means on first and second down, mm-hmm. you gotta stop the run. Okay. True. And a lot of the Rams, you'll see them getting on that soft edge. This is a big boy game. Put your big, your 1990 shoulder pads on, not the little small little wide thing Put your big boy pads on. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that you're going to stop this winning streak against the 49ers. Tough
2: matchup.
6: And it's not just McVeigh who's been completely owned by the 49ers. It is all of those Rams players. Mm-hmm. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
6: Jalen Ramsey's been on the field for many of those games. And, of course, Cooper Cup has been on the field for all those games. But if Aaron Donald is the big, bad dog on the block that everyone says he is, Can you eliminate the 49ers from the playoffs this weekend? Can you be the guy and do this? Like, it would be great to see Aaron Donald have one of these amazing games and one of these, I am the unquestioned best defensive player in football against a team that has absolutely owned this Rams defense time after time after time after time. Right now I'm looking at this matchup and I'm like, Trent Williams is a dog, you know? That Niners offensive line, they are good. Debo Samuel is going to run for a bunch of yards no matter who's on the other side. Aaron Donald has a lot of pride. He has been on the field for every single one of these games, and they have been wallopings. You are spot on. It has not just been, hey, they got him this way, they, got him this. they beat him through the air on a Saturday night a few years ago. They beat him on the ground. They beat him Monday night 31-10 to 10 earlier mm-hmm. this season. Aaron Donald has not been invisible in these games, but I certainly haven't walked away from any of these games saying, that guy right there is Lawrence Taylor. I've done that just about mm-hmm. every other time I've seen Aaron Donald. Huh. This is a challenge to that Rams Call defense yep. and a challenge to the greatest player of his generation at that position. Maybe the greatest defensive tackle to ever play the sport. You've got to go beat that def- that offensive team on the other side of you because you haven't done it in three years.
5: You guys throw out that greatness, but I played with a guy in Philadelphia named Reggie White and I can't see anyone beating us five times in a row mm-hmm. with Reggie White on the field. I'm just saying. <laughs>
2: And we have our next guest here, one of the most respected defensive backs in the game, he's Super Bowl champion. He's been in the NFL for 13 years, is doing some really incredible work off the field. Please welcome to the show, friend of the show, and my favorite McCourty, Jason. What up,
10: Jason? I always love when people say their favorite McCourty. It makes me uh, feel special,
2: okay.
8: so I appreciate
2: that. Good morning. You are flexing on everyone with that South Florida backdrop. I'm not even going to talk about that. I want to talk about what you're doing in that community. The NFL Inspired Change Initiative joined forces with something called Breakthrough Miami. It's an academic enrichment program. It encourages students to maximize their potential. You said education is super important and paramount to you. So tell us about the work that you're doing with them.
10: Miami Breakthrough is a a tremendous organization that started with a summer program and ended up moving into the school year, uh, having kids come in on Saturdays doing great work. They're finding kids at that ripe age and they're giving them a rigorous academic platform and also challenging them. They're bringing these kids up from middle school to high school to college and showing them opportunities that they might not see otherwise. And then those same students who are making it through the program are coming back. Uh, The high school kids are teaching the middle school kids. The college kids are coming back teaching the high school kids. So it's a program that's growing tremendously and they're giving back to themselves. So it's, it's their model is just really tremendous. They're uh, inspiring kids to become leaders of self then leaders of others and then leaders in uh, our communities. And you're really starting to see change uh, down here in South Florida. A lot of that uh, is because of Breakthrough Miami. Let's talk about your season
5: there in Miami. Hasn't gone exactly as you hoped for, but as a veteran player, let us know as fans, how's the foot going? and how's the recovery part of it?
10: Like you said, man, whenever you get hurt, uh, you're on IR and you're not able to go out there and be on the field with the guys, it sucks. Uh, Rehab's going well, it's a slow process. Uh, especially with a foot injury. I'm still riding around on one of those little scooters with my boot on and all of that. But the cool thing is I've still been able to be in the building while I'm rehabbing, so I'm still getting a chance to connect with the guys, talk about the game, uh, and do all of those things. But I miss uh, being out there. the showed in that video, uh, getting the guys ready for the game. Uh, you miss that on Sundays of not being able to be out there and being the thick of it with the guys.
6: Jason, Sunday obviously didn't go as planned, and there's already a lot of off-season chatter around your team You're there with Brian Flores every day. What do you see on a day-to-day basis that the fan base should know about when discussing Flores' status and what he is as a head coach?
10: Yeah, man, with Flo, you're gonna get consistency. And I think you saw that from our team. Obviously, we dug ourselves in a hole in the first eight games, coming out one and seven. But to be able to reel off seven wins in a row after being in that moment, uh, it's it's tough. And it shows not only the character of our head coach and Flo, but also the character in our team and the guys that show up for work every day. Typically, you see a team go one and seven. You're already thinking about the offseason in the middle of the season. Because guys, you start to not really give up, but you start to look to the future and you start to say, hey, I got to take care of myself. I got to go out there and make sure I'm performing. I'm doing this. And our guys stuck together. Guys still believed in the plan and still uh, approached it day in and day out to get better each and every day and prepare for our next opponent. And that enabled us to at least put ourselves in the position this past Sunday to have a chance to make it into the postseason and to still be competing late in the season. Obviously, uh, that game down in Nashville didn't go the way we wanted to. Uh, but there's still some light in the season, and we still have an opportunity uh, this Sunday to close out the season uh, on a high note.
5: Jason, I played with one heck of a rookie wide receiver in Randy Moss. People want to ask me questions about him. You've played with a lot of great players. Jalen Waddell's one of the best receivers out of this year's class. Give me some of the attributes that you have seen through him in his rookie season, that you see success in his future. And that could be either on the field or off the field.
10: Yeah, his attitude. I mean, this guy shows up uh, every day and he wants to compete and he wants to win. And obviously he came from uh, Alabama where they did a lot of winning there. And from training camp on, when he got out there, when he catches the ball, it's like he hits a whole nother gear. And uh, it's exciting as an older guy to watch a guy do it on the practice field and be able to say, hey, yo, man, he's going to be special. But then to see him actually go out there and do it week in and week out and perform for our team, man, it's been it's been really cool to watch. Uh, you don't realize in year 13 how much older you are uh, then the guys, and so you start having conversations, and I started to tell those guys, yeah, I was in Tennessee, and I got a chance to play with Randy Moss, and guys start looking at you crazy like, dang, you was in the league and Randy <laughs> Moss was in the league? So uh, definitely a, a special player with a bright future.
2: Well, go ahead and get a win this weekend. Thank you for everything you're doing with Inspiring Change, Breakthrough Miami, making differences in the community. I know very important to our Hall of Famer sitting next to me. And every team that you've gone to, you make such an impact. And it is just a pleasure to have you as part of our league, my friend.
5: Great guy. Thanks, guys, for having
2: me. We'll see you guys tomorrow. No Thursday night football game. What will we do?
0: It's a prisoner's dilemma.
2: Hey!
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.